Welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, we got a living legend. He belongs on the Mount Rushmore of Atlanta hip-hop. Him, Luda, Sip, Andre 3000, a few others. Greatest yeah. mixtape of all time. I know I know Wayne got a whole run, but the greatest mixtape of all time, we all know Thug Motivation is that. But welcome to the show, none other than Young Jeezy. How you feeling, man? Come on, receive all that, brother. You know, just you know, moving and grooving, baby. Ain't doing no complaining. Man, I, I got to go back. I was a junior, senior at, at Morehouse College, and we listened to Thug Motivation on rotation. Talk to me about that process, because I got some questions for you. But how did you, what, what, how did you put together that mixtape though? Before we get to the book, how did, how did that happen? So Trapper Die was the mixtape. Oh, Trapper Die. I'm tripping. Trapper Die. Yeah. Yeah. Trapper Die was the mixtape, and then Thug Motivation came right after that. Oh man, like putting together Trapper Die was almost like racing to I'm trying to put in like it's like you was almost running out of time because of everything that was going on around me and it was like I just had to get that tape done because down was different man it was it I mean it's it's a legendary it's a legendary piece of work and it's a mixtape yeah and, and but what it was I went about it as an album but Again, there was so many things that was happening around me. It was almost like I was in a race for time, just trying to get the body of work done because my 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 thought process was if if I go to jail or if something else happened, at least I'll have this, which was trap or die. And that's the reason why it was so um it, it, it was so intentional. Um to do it the way I did it as far as passing out, you know, 300, 400,000 CDs, you know, doing the DVD. It was a sense of urgency there, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, I, I thought that was going to be the last body of work I ever was able to do. So I just gave it everything I had. And that's what changed uh, the scope of everything. Now that puts you on a whole nother stratosphere. I mean, I, you know, we usually, we usually ask our guests as we start the show to, to introduce themselves, but, Everybody that listens to this show knows uh, knows who you are. I like how you drinking that gallon of water. I remember, I remember, yeah, I, I remember, not, I remember different body cap. Oh, not I just I, any gallon, baby. Mine defines fuel. <laughs> I, I got you. I remember a different body type, Jeezy. I remember you had a different different shape to you, my brother. <laughs> yeah, and that was before. Um, it was, it, you know, what it was, man. It was like I didn't have the knowledge of taking care of myself. Talk about that. I mean, like we, we black men, especially we, right. now you got something to live. I mean, you always had something to live for, but now you, you, you give us a lot of hope in a lot of different ways as we mature. Right. What does that mean that, that you've grown? Well, well, the thing was that in the beginning, like I didn't really understand, like I wasn't drinking water, Like I would go like months and months without drinking water. Like I, my diet was Cristal, Waffle House, Magic City wings every now and then, like I was just living like that because when you're living on the edge, you just you just living for the moment. And it wasn't until I started to realize around the recession that I was gonna be here because that's the like the, the the first moment I realized like oh shit like I'm actually a star and and I'm, I actually got a career. And that's when I went in and started like you know YouTubing and googling all these things about health and just asking questions. And I lost sixty pounds on my own. You know what I'm saying? Like just working out and uh, eating right and eating clean and drinking water. 
And I'll never forget it, it was the tour for the recession. And the first stop was Boston. And I'm getting ready to come out and do the recession intro or whatever. And I walk out by the third song, I see stuff just flying on stage. And I'm just like, looking at my screen, like, what the hell is going on? Like, you ain't gonna stop him from throwing the stuff. And he looked at me, he said, my guy, it's brawls. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> he said, there's brawls. Like, women are throwing their brawls on the stage. And I was like, damn. You know what I'm saying? Now, because you got to think the shows before that, all the gangsters was in the front row, right? All yeah. the hustlers. And that's what I was used to. But now I came to Boston, and there's all these women in the front row. And I'm like, what the hell happened? And because, you know, when you can get in shape, you can get in shape physically, but it still has to process mentally, right? Because in your mind, you're still a fat boy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're like, yo. And I just remember just that feeling. And I was like, man, I ain't never going back, bro. Like, I can't, I can't allow myself to, you know, get back to that. So um, since then, you know, of course, you know, you know, you live and you know, you vacation and things like that. But I, I still have my 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 solid foundation of just keeping myself. You got a regimen. You know, yeah, I, I, I got a I got a way that I live, and I know if I'm going too far on one end, I gotta you know spill it back a little bit. And, and just stay, you know, true to, you know, because you want to be, you know, if you're making money and you're taking care of your family, you want to be here, you know, especially as a black man, you know what I'm saying? You want to be here, you know, in, in, in your 60s and 70s, you want to be healthy, you know what I'm saying? Like, you want, you know what I'm saying? You want to be, you want to be able to move around and, you know, just still live. Like, you don't want to be somewhere, um, you know. Now we, 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 we stroking out, dying from heart attacks, all that stuff, so. And, and it's crazy because it's just like, you know, and I talk about that in the book as well. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm not here to preach or, or teach. I'm just sharing um, the things that were life changing for me. And I think health is a big one because once I became healthy, I was able to do 10, 15 times the work. You know what I'm saying? I, I, my clarity was clear. My, 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 my precision was there. Like my, my thought process, um, you know, how I wanted to execute things. It was just, it was different. It was, I was coming from a cloudy space when I wasn't healthy. You know what I'm saying? So my decisions weren't great. Yeah. I mean, I I totally understand that. Your mm. book, Adversity for Sale, you got to believe. Yes, sir. We fans. I'm a fan. Familiar tagline. But talk to me about why you decided at this time to write the book. And, you know, for a lot of people, they want to know, like, you know, we, we know Jeezy. We know Jeezy, where he came from. Is the book the true, honest depiction of who you are? Well, it's, 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 it's the best I could do without sending myself to prison. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just want to know. There's some houses in Atlanta out over there by the stadium. Yeah, I don't know if you told him yeah. story. I don't know if you told oh, no, him because You know what's crazy? It was so much that had to get left out of the book. Um, but, you know, I just kind of painted the picture of the things that taught me lessons right or the things that i experienced that i'm like this was significant right and a lot of that has to do with a lot of things that you know everybody knows about but a lot of it has a lot of stuff to do with um things that before people knew me as Jeezy the artist um that i was experiencing you know just trying to get to that point and it's the real deal it's just like you know i didn't i didn't cut any corners i didn't sugarcoat anything and i just told it you know to the best of my ability 
uh, in a way that I didn't incriminate myself. You know what I'm saying? Because to me, you know, I mean, you, you know, you <laughs> when you have them nightmares, baby, like just, you know what I'm saying? Like you just don't want to, you know, get to the end and drop the ball. You feel me? Yeah. So it's like and when you ask why now, um, I just want to pull into, you know, this generation uh, that's coming up and also into my generation of, of, of men and women and children who want to become better. Because I think sometimes uh, we get in a space where, you know, we think that whatever cause we dealt, that's it. And we just got to go with that. And that's not the truth. That, that leads me to my next question. So, like, who's your target audience for the book and what do you want them to take away from it? I think my target audience is is anybody who wants to do better than they did today, better than they did yesterday. I mean, you know, when you're reading these things, you don't have to be a street person or a street guy. You just got to know that, you know, I'm just telling you. And, and the reason why the book is, is is named Adversity for Sale, because I'm telling you how all my failures built me up to be who I am, how all my failures gave me a sense of resilience. Like they just... They, I, I didn't learn when I won. And I'm not saying you shouldn't win, but I'm saying the data and the knowledge is in, you know, how you fail and you got to fail forward. And I want people to know that like, you know, you know, anybody you look at is great. They fail way more than anybody else. Right. Yeah. They might not tell you about that, but I want to tell you about my failures because hopefully my failures help you get some wins. Right. And then when you do fail, you won't feel like, you know, the, the 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 bottom is falling out like it's the end of the world you know what i'm saying i mean i i deal with this one with with uh one of my one of my living legends pastor troy shout out to dsgb but a lot of people yeah. think y'all are from atlanta and you, if i'm not mistaken you were born in south carolina but you lived yeah. in hawkinsville and macon georgia for a period of time right. talk right. about your childhood and how that shaped that adversity for sale because you i mean you right. just big city living i mean hawkinsville macon how did, right. how did that shape who you are? Well, I mean, it did on both. So just so we clear, like the rest of my family is from Decatur, from the east side in Mechanicsville. So my dad's sister and all her kids mm -hmm. uh, pretty much lived in Atlanta their whole life. But they were coming down to where I was to, you know, do their thug thing. And that's, you know, the synergy because it was like, you know, we still had big city living in a small town. Because either we wasn't down there, we was up here with them, right? So we always had that that thing going. I think the biggest part for me was my grandmother, um, because my parents never really taught me about faith. I don't even think we ever had the conversation about it. But my grandmother made me go to church. Like she made me read the Bible. She made me, you know, put on my Sunday school best. And now that I'm older and I understand, like faith is. Is 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 it's everything it's, almost. It gets you through, right? And 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 I I I'm thankful for that. So being in that small town um, taught me how to be very humble. Um, taught me how to be uh, uh, very understanding, right? And then it also taught me what to strive uh, for. Meaning that I knew that I wasn't small town material. Meaning like I I knew that wasn't the end all be all. So my thing is, how do I get back to what else do I know? So it just gave me roots, right? And 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 it's crazy because sometimes I find some things I do to this day where people be like, you do that? I'm like, yeah, like, it's cool. Like, you know, I love deep sea fishing and, and, and my aunties used to take me fishing all the time. It's very peaceful, right? 
but now in my adulthood, I, I really realize it like that's that's a real peaceful thing for me. So if I ever get into a space where it's just like a lot going on, I get on a boat somewhere, go deep sea fishing, it just it just brings me back to that, you know what I'm saying? That clarity in that moment. And these are things that I picked up in my childhood, you know. And 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 just growing up, like, you know, we used to, you know, my auntie and them lived in like, you know, on, on the in the country, right? So me and all my little cousins used to walk through the woods all day and night, and that was our thing. But yeah. now that's all hiking, right? <laughs> so, but I mean, like, also talk about the. I mean, like, look, I mean, your I I I fuck with your hind, I fuck with your perspective because that's what right. comes from your music, right? Your perspective right. is what it is. But you raising a, a kid now versus right. we could when we grew up. I grew up in Denmark, South Carolina, small town, three stoplights and a blinking light. And unless you came to Voorhees College at Claflin. Or you might have come to South Carolina State one time. I don't know. We never saw Jeezy. It was just small town. But mm-hmm. like you could go outside, ride the bike, and come home. Your parents would right. just be like, what? Just be inside by we ain't had no cell phones, right. just be inside by the by the street lights. But now with your if kids these days, if that, if that but you can't let your kids do today. My grandmother, oh no, but my grandmother never locked her front door ever. And all my years growing up, it was always an open house. You can come in there any time of night, any time of the morning. I mean, the worst is you come in there and you're late um, for dinner or something, you know, because I was hanging in the streets at a young age because she basically let me do what I wanted to do. Um, and I would come in. The worst thing that could happen is you come in and it's about 1030 at night and, and all the lights off in the house. And you got to go in the kitchen. And that's when I got that line. You hit the kitchen light, cockroaches everywhere. It's like you hit that light, the roaches is all over the place. They're in the microwave, they're on the stove, they're everywhere, right? Well, that's a real and, line. I, I I recite that line all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but, but everyday life, you go in, you knock them off or whatever, and you put the chicken in the microwave or the pork chop, you heat it up, you might still be something on the table, you just flat them out of the way, and you sit down and you eat. But it, it, it made me, you know, very humble. But I will say, going back to your point, like, life was much more safer then. And so... Right? It was simple, yes. man. Right, right. And, and and technology wasn't the way it is now. So it's almost like, you know, you're dealing with that because the only people I can compare myself to and where I was at was maybe the people on the other side of town that was doing a little bit better than us. Right. But then to be honest with you, and, I, and no disrespect, those were the guys that when we end up growing up and we was hustling, those are the guys that end up getting on drugs. Right. And oh, yeah. They were the ones. Y'all were serving them. You guys were serving. Right, right. And, 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 but these are my peers, right? And then, but what it taught me is that, you know, you could be you can be financially well off, but that doesn't teach you how to have a strong mental capacity, right? And 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 to really be, to really have discipline, not to get caught up in certain things, but coming from not having nothing, you're like, shit, I don't want to get worse than this. And then you're seeing all this, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, firsthand. So it's almost like we hustling, but I don't want to be on this shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's like I'm 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 seeing the effect of it. I mean, it's like, okay, well, let me just keep my mind on so the let me, let me ask you a big question because I got a lot of white folk that listen to this who have no mm-hmm. idea where you come from. You see the effect. Why do you serve? What is that? What what I mean, I know it's survival, but explain why 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 what did you have? Why did you do what you did is coming up? Okay, so so you asking me what my perspective was back then or now? Correct, back then. Okay, well, again, so my cousins that was from Atlanta that would come down and do their thing, they were the biggest thing 
the talk of the town. Like they was the guys with the cars, the money, uh, you know, they was, you know, they was the guys, right? And that those were the first entrepreneurs I've ever seen. So if you're sitting in a town where everybody's a factory worker or somebody's made or in a field, you're looking at the person who looks like this succeeded, right? So you don't equate it with you're doing something wrong because they've gotten away with it for so long. It feels like it's right. You just got to have enough heart to do it. So in my mind, I'm like, I got to do that because that's the only way for me to get where I'm trying to go. And I talk about this in the book, just so we clear. Some of my childhood was lived in Japan and um, in, uh, in, in Hawaii because my dad was in the, the um, he, he was in the Marines, right? When I when my parents divorced and I had to go back to the hood, my palate was already different. I knew about sushi. I knew about beaches. I knew like so in my mind, I'm like, shit, I got to get back to that. And if I'm going to depend on a factory job or to work in the field or work for somebody else, I'm never going to get that. So I'm going to take a chance with this because I feel like these guys know what they're doing. So I never put the wrong with the passion of what I was trying to do. Meaning I didn't, we didn't look at drugs like drugs. We looked at it like a job. It's business, right? <laughs> so I, I, when you see in the effect, you like, this is what goes on with your job. So if you are an ER worker and you're working in the ER, people might come in there with gunshot wounds. People might come in there with car wrecks. You're prepared for whatever, but your mind is like, I work at an ER. I'm so in my mind is like, I'm, I'm working. I got a job in my mind. I'm buying my own food. I'm, I'm getting my own clothes. I'm paying for my, so it's like, I'm doing good. Right. You know what I mean? But then the things that come with it, you just sitting back, you like, and, and then you're numb to it. Now, if you ask me now, uh, I can't say the same for the simple fact that I know better. Right. Yeah, that's maturity. Yeah. It's maturity. But then I was, I was ready to die being head first. I wanted to be the biggest. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be, you know, the smartest. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to be the most disciplined. Like, those are all the things that I was thinking. Like, I wasn't drinking or smoking then. I wasn't, I was focused. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. I mean, but, and you were also kind of lucky, too, because there are a lot of people who don't make it out of that as well. Well, I can say about a 99.9% people don't make it out. And I, if if you ask me, if I had to be honest, the only person I can look at and say that just based off the information that I have uh, and, and based off the history of people that have, you know, kind of. You're going to say Jay-Z. That's it. That's the only one. You and Jay, I tell people that all the time. I mean, and you, look at, you look at the people who and I'm a criminal defense lawyer and I've had interactions with a lot of folk. Um, right. And a lot of a lot of individuals in the music game and people who listen to the show know. Um, but the reason they know me is because they they just they have not been able to make it out unscathed. And that right. is that's right. that's a godsend. You you talk about this in a, in a, in the book a bit. Uh, the chapter "Star Is Born," but let's talk about how you broke into the music business and how you managed to stay there album after album. And we we talked right. about your mixtape um, "Trap or Die." classic right. no skips we yeah. talked about we talked about thug motivation another classic no skips um you know you had let's get it i mean you've been in the game a minute how how did how did you break into it and then because a lot of people have a hit 
but how did you stay there? Right. Well, well, it was two things. The first thing is I love music. So when I lived with my mom, you know, every day before school, I blasted, you know, the Brad, Master P, whatever. I just love music because I learned from it, right? And it made me feel different than anybody else around me because they just like the work. They just like the, the beat and what they were saying. I actually took a message from it. So for me, when you ask why did I stay, because music had already transformed my life in so many different ways and I had a real respect for it. The minute I got in the game, I, everything that I had went through in my life had already prepared me yeah. for the longevity of what I was about to do because now it's like I got an opportunity, right, to be everything that I want to be because the thing was I wanted to do business, right? So music was my talent, business is my passion. So there was no way I was going to be able to do business walking in from the streets into somebody's boardroom. So music was the vessel, and I understood that, and that's why I took it so seriously. And I went about it the way I did because if you really look at it, the whole time I was branding myself, whether it was when I was wearing the jerseys or when I was with my name on it or the chains with my name on it or the snowman chain or going to Magic City, spending all these hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to get my name out there. That's like, why I can't, even go to, I can't go to Magic City like that. Now, yeah. Y'all spoiled them. I can't. I go in and spend about four, five thousand each oh movie to get the salmon. And they, oh they that's God. that's an hour. I got an hour worth of good time because you and Jermaine and and when you know Meech and all them boys used to go in there. I got a story. So how this you'll appreciate this. Yeah. I pull up, my wife already know the story, so I it, she she laughed at me. I, I was a freshman at Morehouse, had a college ID. I pull up at Vision back when Vision was open, Vision Nightclub. Shout out to everybody, AG, everybody. Sierra mm -hmm. came in. I tried to holler at Sierra. Oh wow. <laughs> didn't work. I tried. I tried. <laughs> and then y'all boys pulled up in Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and three busloads full of niggas with DMF shirts on. Right. Can you just talk about how Atlanta used to be? Well, Atlanta was electric in days. There was no club. I was telling somebody that the other day. It was like you would get on Peach Street. And you would be in a traffic jam Friday. Jam. You couldn't go anywhere. I mean, I'm talking about for miles and miles and miles. And Atlanta was electric. It was like every it was a melting pot. Everybody from every other city was here, all the top tier people. And the clubs were electric. And speaking of magic, the difference that I would say than then than now was when you went in there, you knew everybody. Yeah. Right. You knew them personally. You knew the dancers, you knew the security, you knew the door person, you knew the waitresses. So it felt like you was walking into cheers. Right. And <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and, and and it was an ecosystem. Shout out to yeah. Mr. Magic and his son. His son is a dope, yeah. one of the dopest dudes around right now. Shout out to Mr. Magic and his boy. And it was like um, and Magic is my guy. But right now to this day, me and Magic trade books. Like, you know, I, what you read, I'm reading this, whatever. And it's crazy because we used to have some of the most gangsters conversations, gangsters conversations back then. So now we both on a level where we could talk intellectually, which is dope. But you know, he remember when I was he remember when I was young, Jeezy. You were jit. You were you were jit back then. You were young, young Jeezy. Yeah. Yeah. But um to answer your question, it was electric, bro. Like I can't, like there was like, you know, going from Magic City to 112, you know, at 112, you leave in Magic City at four o'clock because we kept the club open. And then you go into 112 and it's still 
partying and it's still going up and it feels like the club just opened. It's a line outside at four o'clock in the morning around the corner, right? And you get there and you want to get the parking spaces in the front. So, you know, you got to pay big money for those and you put them up. It was just, it, it, it was like paid in full, but every day. It's like watching the movie Paid in Full, but like every day. You know what I'm saying? If you if you had to ask me. Couple questions before I let you go. Talk about your creative process now and what changed in your creative process. Because this book is amazing. And watching you. I appreciate that, brother. Watching how you went from writing legendary albums to this book. What is what is your creative process like? And how has it changed or evolved? Well, I just think is, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, we we everything meets you where you at, you know what I'm saying? And 10, 15 years ago, I wasn't here. But what I what I did learn is like journaling is a big thing, right? And when mental I started- health. That's a mental health thing. Yeah, when I started journaling, um, it helped me in the transition to get to the book phase because writing the song is like, you know, it's three minutes, you're saying what you say, it's a little flashy, some flamboyant stuff in it, but you're not bringing it home. And like writing this, this memoir, was very therapeutic for me because there was a lot of trauma that I didn't necessarily deal with. They're yeah. writing this, had to deal with it, right? Because I was so good at putting things to the side and thinking that, okay, it's all good. I've been here before. But what you don't realize is as you get, as, as you starting to get older, you know, those things creep back upon you and they come out in ways that you wouldn't believe, right? So now I got to deal with this shit. So writing the book was very therapeutic for me because it's just like, oh yeah, you know what? And I never dealt with this. And this is why I don't trust. This is why, you know what I'm saying? And this is why, you know what I mean? And now I'm looking at these things and I'm able to have conversations about them and, and deal. And of course, you know, we're not, you know, healing is a process. You never did. And but, sometimes you never heal. I mean, you just, as right. long as you're on the journey to do so, as long as you're better today right. than you were yesterday. Right. So so that's the thing that is very therapeutic and it brought back a lot of things. And this was the other thing too. Having to read, because I read the audio book myself. So when you get the book, I read it myself. But having to read, like when you're reading a book to yourself, it, 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 you know, you're reading, you're there. But when you're having to read this back out loud and kind of reenact the temper, the temper and the tones of what you're experiencing, you, you feel it. You know what I'm saying? There was a lot of high moments, but it was more, a lot of lows. And, and it's just like, even though I skipped past it then, while I was reading this book, I had to deal with that same pain over again. So I had to allow myself like just a moment, like to sit in it and, and, and kind of like, okay, let me just feel it so that I'm not, you know, doing the same thing, sweeping it under the rug because I don't want this shit to keep coming back and affecting me. So that was, that was a dope process, man, because you know, a lot of times we, you know, we go through a lot of shit and we just try to be strong and keep it moving. But, you know, when it pops back up, <laughs> you feel me? And, you know, it manifests. And, you know, trust me, as a black man, I'm, I, yeah. I'm dealing with that now. Shout out to my therapist, Dr. Garcia. Uh, <laughs> but most important question. I see we got Naima on here, too. She just popped up. But the most important question, I got to see if you get this question right, though. Okay, uh, okay. How can folks buy the book? Where can they get it? Tell them, tell them the details about this book because this book is dope. Everybody who's a Jeezy fan needs to get adversity for sale. You gotta believe. You gotta believe. And you, and you asking where can they get the book? Where can they get the book? You can get. You actually can pre-order it now, right? You can pre-order adversity for sale. You gotta believe. You can pre-order the audible uh, version, which I'm reading myself, so you hear your boy's voice. 
Uh, it's available everywhere books are sold on August 8th is the release date, but you can get it now. You can pre-order it now. And the reason why I think that this is a great book for everybody is because, look, at the end of the day, if you've been around me through my journey, I want you to know what I was dealing with and going through. Uh, as you saw, um, you know, just my introduction into this music game and my introduction and entrepreneurship and all these different things, because if I can do it, then you can do it. And not only can you do it, you could do it even better, right? Because I'm giving you what I went through and hopefully that helps you get some shortcuts in so you don't have to experience the same things that I did. Man, everybody go out and listen to Trap or Die just right now. Just, just <laughs> right, right. Just, let's get it. All right, my brother, Young Jeezy, I appreciate you. It's just Jeezy, sure. Snowman, everything. I appreciate you. Watching your growth has got me through a lot. Thank sure. you. Appreciate I stay up. Life.